Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. And welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 29th of August, 2013. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And we have a, uh, well, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. We have a technically heavy show today. Um, it is not going to be easy to totally get through. Um, it's going to be confusing at times. And Dave, you're gonna need a scorecard to keep. We're all gonna need a scorecard to keep up. <laughs> um, listener discretion is advised. And before I go any further, no, listener discretion is not gonna. We're not saying any four-letter words. We might. Um, we may have a graphic description of a chemical weapons attack. I'd prefer not to go there. Um, it may get political. I'd prefer not to go there as well. On Tuesday, uh, somewhere around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the Syrian Electronic Army took down the or took over the DNS of the New York Times and successfully altered the DNS entries for the Huffington Post and Twitter.com. Um, you know, I, I read about that happening. Um, the owner of Webmaster Radio, uh, Darren Babin, immediately, you know, started trying to contact people, figuring out what was going on. This is seriously a news story. And it coined the phrase hacksymmetric warfare, sort of a take on the, um, on the phrase asymmetric warfare, when a state is, is fighting a non-state entity, asymmetric warfare. Well, this is hacksymmetric warfare. The Syrian electronic army is attached to the Syrian government, to um, President uh, Bashir al-Assad's government. And they attacked, again, um, major media properties in the United States and in, in the UK um, and Twitter. And we found that interesting. So for our show today, we have Christine Sashinger and Josh Dennis. Dennis, both are DEF CON alumni. And they're going to be helping us go through a timeline of events, what happened, how it happened, why it happened, and more importantly, what you as webmasters, you as people who work for various organizations who are connected to the web, how y'all can protect yourselves from, from this kind of attack. And when Josh gets on, he'll be on in a few minutes, and when he gets on and he explains how this went down, it's going to blow your mind how simple this attack was. Um, I also want to caution that the opinions expressed on this radio show may or may not be the opinions of the hosts. We're just asking questions. <laughs> we do not recommend you try stuff like this at home. And we are assuming that uh, several friendly acronyms are listening in, uh, presumably because I taunted them earlier today. <laughs> I'm looking, and they should be listening. You know what, Dave? They should be listening. I, th I really think so. I, we're, not, we're not harming anybody. We, neither you or I have know any ill intent towards the state but you know what's weird i have never entered a show with you know being afraid of how a segment of the audience might react to it before until today 
<laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm going to liken it more to the, um, you know, sort of the, the black hat panels. You remember remember those? And, and Google right. sit there. You talk about your black hat. Like where sometimes it, it's in the best interest of everybody to just sit down, talk about the dangers, talk about how it's done because it ain't going to get fixed until somebody does. Obviously, like if we're, if we're worried about bad guys, obviously they've got it down already. <laughs> what we need is is for those who need to defend these websites uh, to get up to speed, recognize the problem, um, and 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 really come up with some some good solid solutions, or or at least you know in in, in some cases you know in some cases the sites were protected, in some cases you were down for hours, yeah. Um, and and you know to you'll never be able to stop all these attacks. That's 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 just the way of it. I mean, heck, some people do it for larks, right? I mean, we've we've seen those ones too, but. Um, you're never going to be able to stop them, but but you know we need the systems in place to really pull these things out of the fire faster. Well, indeed, and I, I would liken this to say you know you're a homeowner, right, Dave? You you live in a pretty uh, nice neighborhood in Victoria, but I, I bet do. you there's I bet you there's break-ins in your neighborhood every once in a while. It happens. Oh, I'm sure. Now I know I know a lot of members of the of the Victoria Police Department. Good good guys, good folks. Um, yep. They're as competent. And as well intentioned as the as the Victoria Police Department may be, they will never stop all break ins in Victoria, no matter how hard they try. It's it's just this is Earth. It's gonna happen. Right. But you the homeowner, there's a lot of things that you can do to protect your home. Just, you know, common sense security things. Make sure windows are closed and bolted, have a security system of some sort or another, etc., right? Yep. It's the same thing if you're a website owner, it's the same thing if you're um you know, say you're a salesperson or a receptionist at a business that runs a website. Mm-hmm. You're part of the team. There's stuff you can do, too, no matter what your position. You don't got to be the webmaster. There's stuff that everybody in the organization can do to protect the organization from the kind of attack that we saw happen to the New York Times. And again, we have, uh, we have two DEF CON alumni coming on the show to talk about how these attacks happen and just... Seriously, listen closely to what Christine and Josh have to say, because uh, most of it's common sense. You just have to reiterate common sense a couple of times before you know common sense becomes commonly available. Well, you're right, and and I think one of the things that, that we need to remember when we're when we're looking to prep. I mean, can you make it 100 percent bulletproof? No, but there's there's a, a, a sort of quasi humorous saying. You know, if you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than the guy next to you, right? <laughs> and and it, it falls into place here too. I mean, this is the reason why clubs work as a crime deterrent in a car. You don't need to make it your car impenetrable. You just have to make it harder than the car right next to it. Right? And that's that's how these things play out, and it's it's very very similar in this world. Can you make your site one hundred percent guaranteed every time bulletproof? No, you can't. And if you do, let's call up anonymous and see what they have to say about that. But mm-hmm. can you make it a lot harder than something that would offer quicker rewards for them? Yes, you can. And I think that's what we're going to be chatting about. I mean, I don't think anybody would claim that you can make it one hundred percent bulletproof all the time that nobody could cause you a problem. No, you can't. I'd just be cockiness, asking for trouble. Um, but I think we can make some some great leaps into making it as secure as possible. Um, and I think one of the interesting things, and uh, I know we're going to be chatting about this, is the human element of errors. Oh, it's you know what? 
let's not give let's not give anything away ahead of time because you know yeah. you're 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 about to nail it on the head. Because <laughs> um, you know what this, this what one of the attacks for absolute certain we will ch- we will chalk it down to a human error. And again, uh, jo- uh, Dennis and Christine are go- I'm sorry, Josh and Christine are going to be going through the timeline, explaining what happened, when, and you know perhaps even to whom. Um, first, I want to give you a little bit of background. Uh, um, the Syrian civil war has been going on since uh, March March fifteenth, two thousand eleven. It has grown into a conflagration involving multiple forces, and this is where things get a little bit confusing. Um, the, to, to to jump ahead for a moment. Over the weekend, it's uh, very widely suspected that the Syrian government used chemical weapons against a civilian population. It's not the first time chemical weapons have been thrown in the Syrian conflict or used in the Syrian conflict, but this is the first time that uh, we've had proof positive and according to uh, American intelligence services. Um, there's pieces of missiles that only the Syrian government has control of that were used to deliver the weapons. Right. It's looking rather certain, like there will be a Western attack on Syria uh, sometime, possibly as early as today, although the United Nations is, um, if you want to call it that, still debating whether there should or should not be military action. Anyway... It's a, I don't even know what the right word for it. It's a cluster of belligerents. <laughs> Almost wrote one of those four-letter words, I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> now, and here's the weird thing. For the West, there's no, there's, neither side wins for the West. The West can't yeah. support either side. Assad clearly can't stay in government, can't stay president. He can't. That's not going to happen. But... The um, the rebel forces are um, increasingly dominated by Al Qaeda and Mujahideen fighters. They that 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 side doesn't have um, international interests at heart either. So, you know, we're in a terrible damned if you do, damned if you don't position, and. You know, now we have the Syrian government, A, throwing chemical weapons about, and B, attacking media properties in the West. So, just checking my my scorecard here, we're going to be getting um, Christine Sashinger and Josh Dennis on the line. To do that, we're going to have to take a break so that uh, the studio has, a, has an opportunity to give them a call. So, I'm going to take a break early, Dave, if you don't mind. That's um, great. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger of Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around, folks. You've got an interesting story coming, coming up right after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. 
Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. The largest event in digital marketing, AdTech New York 2013, returns to the Javits Center in New York City, November 6th and 7th. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get 20% off registration by using promo code NY13WMR20. Meet over 9,000 marketing and technology professionals from all over the world. Experience two action-packed days with keynotes, education led by digital marketing's best and brightest, hundreds of leading-edge suppliers, nonstop networking, and so much more. Plus, AdTech New York 2013 will again feature the Startup Spotlight Series, featuring startups with promising services and technologies for brands and marketers in the digital space vying for the coveted AdTech Innovation Award. Register right now for AdTech New York 2013 by going to na.ad-tech.com slash ny or click on the banners on the webmasterradio.fm website for 20% off your conference pass. That's na.ad-tech.com slash ny. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Market Edge with Glenn Engler. On demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Okay, it looks like we're back here on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And we're joined by two DEFCON alumni. Uh, for those who don't know what DEFCON is, DEFCON is the hacker convention. happens annually in Las Vegas. And Christine Sashinger and Josh Dennis are regular attendees at DEFCON. We've had them both on the, on the show before to talk cybersecurity issues. And, um, well, <laughs> today... We have a doozy of an issue to talk about them with. Um, Christine, Josh, welcome to Webcology. Thank you. Hey, Christine. Josh? I think we may have lost Josh Dennis. His uh, phone line looks like it's gone dark. It looks like it's gone dark. Okay, Christine, we have you on the line. We're going we're gonna to try to get uh, Josh Dennis back. Christine, in... Um, 
very quickly, could you just give us an overview? What went down on Tuesday? What happened? Well, um, according to the uh, Twitter page of the, uh, or Twitter feed of the Syrian Electronic Army, they took over the DNS through uh, the admitted fault of Novo IT. So Novo IT came online and admitted that they were able to get through a reseller. Okay, now um, Melbourne, Melbourne IT is the fourth largest uh, registrar in the world. It was the registrar for Twitter, for the Huffington Post, and for the New York Times. And that was the entry point for the uh, the hacker from the Syrian Electronic Army. Is that, that correct? Correct. And uh, Melbourne IT did admit um, to, I think it was Nick Schweb, had an article about it. Um, that uh, resellers, not Melbourne IT themselves, but one of their resellers, uh, of course, the weakest link is always your point of entry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had, they said a weak password, but um, Josh has done more research on this, so that may not have been the final word. Yes, I, um, I, I do. We hope we get them on the line <laughs> soon because generally the these things the are socially engineered, right? Well, so, this is the um, point in the story where it would be good to have Josh uh, jump in. As I understand it, it was a phishing attack. Um, the Syrian Electronic Army sent literally thousands of emails out posing as a security company. And, well, all it takes is one person to do something stupid. A few people replied with their um, email, login, and password. And um, that, that basically gave the Syrian Electronic Army free access to to the uh, DNS, to you know, the server, which allowed them to change the DNS. And it looks as if we have Josh Dennis back on the line. Hello, I'm back. Sorry He's about back. that. <laughs> Your timing is impeccable, Josh. I'm trying to stumble my way through the story. We were talking about the phishing attack that we, was uh, held, conducted by the Syrian Electronic Army. Yeah, we got as far as Melbourne... Um, is Melbourne IT, and that's where the story's kind of trailed off. Josh, what went down? How did this attack happen? Yeah, so it, what it sounds like is that the uh, Syrian Electronic Army fished one of the resellers for Mel- Melbourne IT. And uh, that reseller, uh, from what I've been able to tell, is based in the United States. And uh, they represent uh, the New York Times, Twitter, um, Microsoft, and Adobe. But uh, they were unaffected by this hack. Okay. And now, uh, Millbourne IT is one of the top uh, registrars in the in the globe. Oh yeah, they're number four, they're the fourth largest on the planet, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of information that goes through Melbourne IT, and obviously, obviously through their various resellers, of which there are hundreds, perhaps thousands. Somebody gave out the wrong information in a phishing attack. What happened? What does that mean? A phishing attack, and what kind of information would they have been looking for? Yeah, so with phishing attacks, um, I'm sure everybody's heard of them and received them in their inbox. But uh, basically, it's an email uh, with a suspicious attachment or a a link, um, or not even suspicious looking. It uh, could be an email from your mother. And uh, once you click on the link or open the attachment, it either opens a back door in your computer or uh, redirects you to a website where um, there's malware waiting to give somebody a back door. Okay. And once they have this backdoor, okay, in, in this instance, as, as much as you possibly can, 
Yeah. Having gotten the information from somebody attached to uh, the re- a reseller of Melbourne IT, what could they do? They have they have somebody's login uh, login name and password. Now what? Yeah. What can they do? Yeah, so that's what happened in this case. They uh, redirected to a site that asked for the username and password, and um, then uh, they were able to get access to the Melbourne IT uh, configuration area. And um, as far as I've been able to tell, um, the reseller had access to all of the uh, sub-accounts. Okay. And uh, so from there, uh, they were able to modify the, like the New York Times DNS records to so, uh, point to their um, the Syrian Electronic Army's uh, servers in Russia. Now, okay, so uh, I want to back up a second. It seems yeah. a hell of a stretch, and th- and this is mostly you know for people sitting sitting at home or in their offices wondering how, but mistakenly giving your username and password. How does that get from you know I'm, I'm just I'm just some guy with a username and password. I, I'm nobody. How do you get from my username and password to taking over the four? Uh, a system owned by the fourth largest registrar in the world. Yeah, and see, that's a problem. Uh, Milbourne IT has the reputation of being one of the most secure registrars in the world from all the uh, articles I've been reading. Uh, but somehow, uh, and it hasn't been, the postmortem hasn't been released by Melbourne IT, but, uh, so we have to just do, go on conjecture. But uh, somehow they were able to get the logon credentials. So probably I uh, got a phishing email saying, hey, your uh, uh, registration is about to expire. Uh, enter your username and password. And uh, so whoever handles the uh, DNS and domain registrations for this reseller uh, entered their credentials. And then uh, the hackers uh, were able to log into the account at Melbourne IT and um, in there they had access to NewYorkTimes.com, uh, the Yahoo image I mean, um, Twitter image service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to change just some of the records because some had some basic protections on them. Okay. Um, New York Times did not have them. So uh, they were able to uh, change those uh, domain records. And uh, for people who don't know, uh, domain um, uh, DNS records map up IP addresses, which are human unfriendly to human friendly names. Um, like NewYorkTimes.com, and uh, so they were able to take the the www.NewYorkTimes.com, and anytime anybody requested that name, this malicious server would pop up a bad IP address, mm-hmm. and then uh, redirect them out to a, a server in Russia. Now I'm a New York Times subscriber, okay, and I. Without knowing the New York Times had been taken over, I went, as I do every couple of hours, to nytimes.com just to see what was up. And I got a bad gateway, 502 error. That's all I saw was bad gateway, which I thought, okay, somebody made a mistake. What does it really mean to have a hold of someone's DNS? What do you got? So with that, you have the keys of the castle. Um, You can... uh well, what they did was they set up a server, and uh, rather than popping up the day's news, it was going to pop up a pro-Syrian uh, message uh, because they support Assad. Uh, but they discovered after a few minutes that they couldn't handle all the traffic coming from the New York Times, and so their uh, server barfed. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so I got to do two more questions now. I just agreed with Dave that I'd only do one more question. But I got, okay, let me get this straight. 
they went to the trouble of phishing the username and uh, password off of uh, some poor unsuspecting soul, going in, changing the records, effectively taking over the New York Times, and the traffic was so heavy, they crashed their uh, tin pot server over in Russia. <laughs> they did. Oh, but it gets incredible. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well, so something else they could have done is instead of redirecting to just a pro Assad message, is they could have uh, had lo- loaded a page that has malware on it, uh, mm-hmm. taking advantage of a zero day flaw in, say, your browser, and then they could have owned all of the uh, New York Times subscribers. Okay, well, here's a couple of questions. I am a New York Times subscriber. Number one, they got my credit card information. Do I got to worry about this? You do. If you, uh, yeah, let's say they popped up a uh, username and password request and you looked up at the URL um, up at the top of your browser and it said NewYorkTimes.com. It's asking me to update my username and password. And okay, that sounds reasonable. So you enter it in and now they have access to your account. Uh, that makes me feel great. Um, okay, another thing I want to I want to know. Then, Dave, I'm sorry, I will hand this off to you. So, uh, so they get this one last one out. Sorry, Dave. Now, you said earlier that um, they could well have put up a spoof page, made it look like everything was normal, but that page could have, you know, had um, malware, could have been injected something vicious into my system. Um, this might sound like a stupid and obvious question, but I'm a stupid and obvious man. How worried? I got a bad gateway, so chances are I went there after their server had crashed. But, you know, how do people know? How do you look for it? How do you, do you got to worry about this? Yes, definitely. Like uh, when I went to Twitter after the attack happened, I all of my um, – there were no images and there was text all off to the side of the screen. Um, I used TweetDeck on my iPad for checking my uh, – Twitter messages and uh, the app crashed every time I went in. It was just it couldn't figure out what was happening and, and died. So with all that stuff happening, you don't really know what they're doing. Um, you don't know if they're dropping malware onto your computer um, or if it's just harmless that they're just popping up propaganda. Now, uh, they, they sent this phishing email. I'm just going to go back a little bit in time. They sent this phishing email. Somebody went and, and, and you know, followed it, went to a fake site, entered their username and password. When they, no, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just me, but I would think if I went to, I don't know, I registered through GoDaddy. So GoDaddy sends me an email going, you know, your domain's about to expire. And I don't check and, and don't pay attention and see that the domain isn't the one that I'm actually supposed to be going to. Tip number one for people, I suppose. Um, but I, I then log in. I mean, clearly they wouldn't have had all the records. They wouldn't have had all the domain information. So they don't have the full list of, you know, here's the domain that's going to expire or whatever they were saying. What are people doing when they are seeing that what they're meant to go there for isn't what they're finding? Why are they not acting then, um, changing their passwords or whatnot? So you're talking about post um, post compromise at the registrar, yeah. and yeah. Um, so you're going off to the Russian um, uh, duplicate and not knowing uh, whether it's a malicious site or not. You, you, there's not really anything you can do. Um, you're, the whole internet is based on trust that the DNS is proper and correct, 
and uh, that what you see at the top of your browser, okay, NewYorkTimes.com, all of us are trained to look carefully and make sure there aren't any typos or anything like that, uh, thanks to the media. But here you don't know. Um, so there are countermeasures for this, um, like DNSSEC, um, which is being rolled out, uh, which um, actually does authentication on DNS. But DNS, as it started, was a totally trusted um, protocol. And so it's easy to spoof. It's easy to fake. And it's easy to direct people to the wrong places. Now, when they get there, how, I mean, is it is it possible, and, and this is just going to be a, a clear example of my ignorance, is it possible that when I, you know, Melbourne IT sends me an email, or, or I think it is, it's, it's not them, but, um, you know, I get an email from what I think is Melbourne IT, I go over to a Russian server, I'm entering it, can they duplicate the information it is is there a way to do this where I'm actually logging into what I think is or what is my real server, but it's pulling information? Because I can't see how when I once I actually logged in. Okay, now I'm compromised, but I've logged in. How how they would be grabbing the the information on the servers in Russia and pulling in that information that would be on my actual server um, that oh, I would yeah. expect to see once I logged in. So, so they grab those credentials. Um, so you think you're going onto your Melbourne IT website, you as the reseller, and um, enter user username and password, and now they have it. And so they can just pop open a, a browser session and and uh, go in and have at it. They they have all the access that you have, um, and uh, can make changes like they did. So repointing the New York, New York Times uh, DNS servers. Uh, from pointing to their D DNS servers to uh, DNS servers that are evil. Here's a question and that's kind of, if I could just jump in really quickly. Sure, go for it. That's kind of scary. They were in. They messed around with the server. They changed the DNS to a, a, a Russian server. Could they have left anything on New York Times server that um, unsus unsuspecting subscribers like myself might stumble across? No. So um, they didn't compromise the New York Times servers. They compromised their DNS. So okay. DNS is doing that translation um, and telling you where you should go. So what server is the proper one for um, NewYorkTimes.com? Okay, so NYTimes.com. I don't know their IP address offhand, although I've got it written down somewhere. Um, they're secure. Like that's That's cool. I can go there. Relatively worry-free. The only mistakes that we'll find there were put there by New York Times journalists themselves, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, for the most part. Mostly. You know, ads have been compromised in the past, and yeah, things have happened. Or if, or if they're quoting a Linda Netcliffe article. Indeed, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, Lyndon, I had to. Um, <laughs> so what's the, uh, what's the long-term upshoot of this? Um, what is Melbourne IT going to do? What is the New York Times, Twitter, um, Huffington Post, anybody else who might have affected? What's their next steps? They've got the, they got control of the domains back. Now what do they do? And, and just to note before before that, uh, Melbourne IT was hacked yesterday Again. Uh, by SCA. So, so this is a day after the hacks yeah. at New York Times, Huffington Post, uh, Twitter, etc. What happened to Melbourne yesterday, Melbourne IT? Uh, it seems that the uh, SEA, Syrian Electronic Army, they planted the back door of some sort to control the IT uh, server, seems to be the thought. Um, but they left, there's just a quick note that said, hacked by 
uh, SEA, your server security is very weak. Wow. That they put on there. And then they took credit on their Twitter. That's almost like a Lowe's attack. I mean, seriously. Hey, just checking in. You guys suck. Ha ha. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that just, happened, that just happened less than a day ago. Okay, now so. I want to put it to either Christine or Josh. Um, I have a hard time seeing the Syrian Electronic Army being all about the lo- the, lo- the LOLs. Okay? LOLZs. I have a hard time seeing them being about the LOL. Could they have left something in Melbourne IT's system whilst they were in there? Yeah, so it depends on the level of the compromise. Um, and you should note that the Syrian Electronic Army is not the Syrian Army. Um, I don't know if you saw Brian Krebs analysis last night, uh, but he outed one of the members of the Syrian Electronic Army. And okay. uh, it seems like a bunch of kids uh, who are pro-Syrian, pro-Assad, um, and I'll just leave it at that. But um, it depends on the level of the penetration into the Melbourne IT servers. So what it looks like is that they just compromised this reseller who had access to all these American domains. Um, the reseller's based in the U.S. Uh, all these U.S. people trusted him. What I suspect the attack on the uh, Melbourne IT blog that happened yesterday, I suspect that they took advantage of a flaw um, in the blog software. Um, and that... They don't have access to the servers. Now, I, I could be wrong, but um, just based on the information that I have right now, uh, it's what it sounds like. It sounds like they weren't doing proper scrubbing of um, the blog, probably the comments. Uh, they weren't, you know, Bloody scrubbing hell. user input. Were they using WordPress? <laughs> I don't know. The blog site's down now. Uh, it redirects back to their homepage, so it's uh, kind of hard to tell. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going from really smart to incredibly stupid back to really smart again. And it's just, I'm having a hard time keeping up. Um, and you know what you, know what you do when you, when, you, when you find yourself in this situation, especially given the time? You work towards getting it, taking a break so that you can just regroup your head again. Because I, I got to tell you, we've gone, I, like I said a second ago, we've gone from smart to plain stupid, back to kind of clever again. And uh, <laughs> you need a scorecard to keep up. But what I, what I really want to do, what I think is going to be really clever, is if for the last segment we can talk about the simple, intelligent things people can do to prevent compromises in the first place. You all up for that? That's great. Okay, folks, Definitely. we're going to be taking a break here on Webcology. We have Kristen Sashinger on one line. We have Josh Dennis on another. Dave Davies on a third. Myself on a fourth. And we have you listening in. Stick around. we got a couple commercials coming up. But when we come back, the most important part of our show, how to make sure it doesn't happen to you. Stay tuned to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate display media or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your 
progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at page1power.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Want to learn what it takes to drive truckloads of targeted traffic, convert the highest percentage of leads, and make the most money? Traffic leads money. On demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. Um, we're joined by Kristen Sashinger and Josh Dennis, uh, both alumni of DEF CON. And just in case uh, listeners thought that... Um, all was doom and gloom, and that the uh, Syrian Electronic Army wasn't all about the LOLZs. We've just learned that they've also hacked Justin Bieber. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah, I think they'd have to message say, pull your pants up, kid. <laughs> Even the SEA is responsible, you know. <laughs> yeah, pull your pants up, you little bastard. Something like that. Um, okay, so... I guess with ju- the Justin Bieber thing, we've gone back to the incredibly stupid. So let's try to work ourselves into a smarter place. <laughs> uh, you know, he's from just down the road, ro- just down the road from me, eh? Like, really? Oh, you're lucky. Only a co- uh, Yeah, I'm not responsible. <laughs> well, I might be. There was there was that time in high school behind the behind the bleachers, but I don't think it was me. Uh, anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> Even people in Justin Bieber's organization can follow a couple really simple tricks to protect themselves. Um, the, the, the studio and other people involved in the show are kind of going crazy on, twi- on uh, Skype trying to, trying to make me laugh. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, there's a few things that people can do to protect themselves, to protect their organizations. Let's start with the easy stuff and move our way to the more complicated stuff. Um, if I heard you correctly, Josh, and I'm 99% sure I did, this hack, the one that, the one that happened against the New York Times and presumably um, uh, Huffington Post, Twitter, and, um, 
and others was because of a phishing attack. Somebody gave information via email because somebody else simply asked. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. So, you know, I'm some I'm I'm just some guy. I'm working my working away and an official looking email comes in. What do you do? I mean, like seriously, I'm not I I I want the best for my organization. My my server administrator needs my help. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, so um I get hired to break into companies. Companies hire me to break into themselves. And I've been 100% effective breaking in using phishing emails. Uh, it's just too easy to create a convincing email. So the first thing you need to do, and I tell everybody this, is don't click the links in the email. Don't open the attachments. Um, if you can't resist that urge, then call. Pick up the phone and call the person who sent it to you and just make sure that they sent it to you. Okay. Um, uh, if you have to click that link, hover your mouse over the link and you'll see what's actually behind it. So you can present to a user a different URL than um, the website that it will actually take you to. So uh, it may be uh, instead of bankofamerica.com, there may be an extra E at the end or um, uh, an extra character. So, so um, if you're in a hurry, you're don't all different. Yes. And they can make the text uh, appear like it's bankofamerica.com that actually appears to you in your screen, um, like if you're um, uh, using webmail or uh, uh, email client. Now, is it normal for um, – well, we, we know it's not normal for a bank or any financial institution to send you an email with a link you can click where they're asking for your uh, username and password. We know that that does not happen officially, right? Right, or the IRS, yes. And I've seen people get taken down by those many times. Okay, so, um, but, but it's a little bit more believable to, under, to, to see an organization like, say, Microsoft doing it. Um, I, can, I can see people believing that. And I think we've all received the emails from Microsoft saying, we need to upgrade your system, please click here. Yes, and instead of clicking on that link, <laughs> pop open your browser and go there directly. So, okay. Uh, if you use a, uh, a password manager, um, then have the URL pre-coded in, in your password manager. So y you open it up, go to the password that you want to enter, and have it open the web browser for you. So you don't have to worry about typing errors or anything like that. Um, and again, this is this is just simple, common sense stuff that people receiving an official like. <laughs> email. If you were sending such an email. Say you were a server admin in a large organization and needed to get something done really quickly. Is there anything that you could put in that email that would um, let the user know, let me know, I, I'm, the, I'm the guy at the other end, one of the thousands in your organization, that would let me know that this is in fact legit? It's hard. It's hard uh, because we do need to uh, communicate in efficient ways and people are in meetings and um, you, know, you can call them and leave a voicemail. But – any email that comes across your desk is suspect. Um, the way I've um, broken into my clients is by finding out who the system administrators are. So calling the front desk and social engineering or manipulating the uh, front desk person to find out who the IT people are. And then I craft a, an email that re looks reasonable, and people will click those links every time. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if listeners really got this before the break, but you 
do this for a living. Um, yes, it's one of the things I do. This is your this is your job. Companies hire you to get through their ICE, to get through their security and their systems. And and as you say, most of the time, you get through by having a human make a mistake. Yes. How long exactly. does it take? Really? Oh, How long does it take you? It took um, – I, I got the logon credentials for a third of a company and it took me probably about 45 minutes to uh, get a cra- – um, a fake domain set up at godaddy.com, set up a fake website, scrape their original, and um, craft an email. I'm, it's, I'm almost, and it's, it's, I'm not allowed to be, but I'm almost speechless. That's just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh. click the links in your emails. <laughs> but moreover, I mean, you're, you got, you're, you're, you're a personable guy. You got a, a personable voice. You, you, you call me up. I want to give you information right now. Heck, here's my phone number. Um, <laughs> so somebody in an organization has made a very bad mistake giving a personable voice the information. Um, do heads roll? Do heads roll for this? Like, do people get in trouble for this? They get talked to, but I, I tell every client that I do this to that it's not their fault. People want to be helpful. Um it's just just our nature to want to help people out, help the person on the other end of the line. Um, and that's a, that's just part of what we do as social engineers is gain their trust. So it's hard. Um, and, and you just have to make people aware that there are certain types of information that you don't give out. So I, I locked down a client once. It was completely compromised. They lost 25,000 credit cards. And uh, after I trained their staff, they continued getting uh, phone calls from the thieves asking for information about their network. And uh, every time they got those phone calls, they said, oh, no, uh, not interested. And they came and talked to me and bragged about how uh, they had avoided <laughs> being engineered. <laughs> okay. So people can be trained. <laughs> now, aside from social engineering... Is there other ways that a um, a malicious hacker, say, you know, be it somebody at the level of the Syrian Electronic Army or some some script kitty, can get into the back end of a system and take over a website or take over somebody's somebody's server? Oh yeah, there are many ways. Um, whether it's uh, insecure protocol or weak passwords on, um, say, someone leaves SSH open mm-hmm. and uh, they don't use certificates, uh, y- you can do password guessing on it. And if somebody has a weak password on there, you can get access. And um, then it's just a matter of time before you find a flaw on that server that allows you to escalate your privileges to a super user. What's a, what is a strong password? People talk about weak passwords all the time, but they never talk about what a strong password is. Yeah. So uh, the strong passwords I hate are the ones that you have to write down. So something with a lot of uh, squigglies and uh, numbers and all of that. So the easiest password to remember is a passphrase. And it's just a sentence. And you might throw a number in the middle of it to to mix things up or a special character. Um, I'll be giving away a secret, but um, <laughs> most people, when they put special characters into their passwords, they use uh, shift and then the number keys. Very few people think about the uh, keys in the lower right-hand corner of the keyboard, the uh, question mark, the period, the comma. Mm-hmm. 
So throw some of those in, and you'll make it a lot harder for the hackers to uh, crack it. But you want your passwords, uh, the standard now, I don't know, it's somewhere between 9 and 12 characters. I say do, do more than 15. Um, there are a lot of uh, prefab uh, lists out there for password cracking um, that have all the letters covered from one password or one character password up to 15. So you're pretty much screwed <laughs> if you have less than 15 characters. Okay. Uh I want to jump to Christine because I've been uh, Christine. You've been plunking away in uh, in a private chat saying, "Talk about ad networks. Talk about ad networks." <laughs> ad networks are a security hole. Apparently, for a small amount of money, you can take over a whole network and make it a botnet. What? Well, that was one of the most fascinating talks at DefCon because when I walked in there, I thought I was going to hear all this like crazy stuff that'd be really difficult to do and. You know, wow, this distribution is hard, right? No, it's so dumbfoundingly easy. The fact that it exists is just kind of a little beyond belief. So um, basically, so basically, the idea is that um, your ad networks allow you to import scripting or insert JavaScript. Almost all of them do. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, just so you can put an ad in there that does cool little things, right? Yeah, um, it yeah, unfortunately, because it does that, it also allows someone to download JavaScripting, which is what people think just does little UI tricks on the front end, but really actually is pretty powerful scripting code. And so they can put in um, and, and put in code in there that will allow them to put in malware, to, to put in all sorts of kind of things that can turn essentially what they did, and I won't get into all the details, but turn um, an ad network into a million bot network. Um, then there was another more sophisticated one where you could actually, now that would give you a malware warning on your site eventually, and okay. then your site's dead in the water, and you're looking for the malware. The malware is actually gone. The malware is not there anymore. It was in your ad network. Um, then there's another one where the person hid an encrypted file on a service like Google Translate. I mean, it hid an encrypted file, and Google Translate's like the key. And so you would never find the malware, and they'd be dumping it on your site the entire time, and that could be run through an ad network as well. You have to be very careful that when you're running ad networks, that the ads come through your site. One, aren't pulling in external JavaScript coding. Well, we, um, only, have, two, we only have a couple minutes, it, Christine. How do you protect time. yourself? How do you protect yourself against that? How do, how do you check? How do you know? Well, um, one, you want to use networks that don't allow the external JavaScript coding. Or two, if there are JavaScript codings coming in, you want to make sure that you're checking. And Josh will probably have better tools for how you would check this. But make sure it's not going out there and pulling in code that you wouldn't want pulled into your website from sources that you wouldn't want it pulled in from. So that you are not allowing someone to pull in these, these malware scripts or these um, hacking scripts into your website. Because people forget HTML5 isn't just a, a layout language anymore. It's a, full, it's a full scripting language. And the things you can do with HTML5 once you get into someone's framework is a whole other mess of conundrums that we can't even talk about right now. But... Your ad network right now is one of the biggest security loopholes in your website. Okay, we are down to four minutes left of the show. There's so much more to talk about. I know Josh wanted to mention that while Twitter was compromised, it wasn't actually hacked. Um, I, I, I don't. We don't have time to get to there. It's, you know, Josh also put up a note. Also, no script. Want a time to get to that? I want to ask. I want to ask both of you a scary question first. How pervasive is the kind of hacks we're talking about out on the web? Is it picking up? Is there more of it than there was last year? 
There is definitely, and the uh, bar has been lowered by uh, automated tools. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's uh, the social engineers toolkit, which allows you to do uh, a lot of the social engineering, getting people's trust, crafting phishing emails. Um, they've automated the whole process. So in the old days, it used to be really hard. I'd have to set up my own web server and um, you know craft these emails, but now. There are tools that let you do all this stuff. You mean dick in a and box? Wow. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's also uh, one, of, one of the tools at uh, DEF CON was the guy could scan your uh, the web for um, websites that had vulnerabilities, like SQL vulnerabilities. Um, and he brought back 300,000 websites using a Hadoop <laughs> server in 30 seconds. And then he had a, a SQL injector. They could also bring, uh, go and inject all those websites within probably about an equal amount of time. Now, his big phrase was, don't be a dick. But I really don't know any other use for that. In a box. <laughs> you know what, exactly. Dave? In a box. You know what, Dave? I'm telling you, man. I'm moving back to British Columbia, and I'm becoming a lumberjack. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only safe job I can think of. <laughs> uh, they're the easiest ones to hack. Well, it's, it's, that's what you do all day, right? You know, you get paid, like you, I'd get paid, paid for it. <laughs> I mean, this, Josh, Christine, we're down to like, we're down to like 45 seconds. Um, I'll, I'll have time to thank you, but um, this has been uh, terribly, uh, very informative. Um, I thought, I didn't think I was going to be left frightened after the show. Is there a role? I got one last question, then we're going to have to go. Is there a role? For the government agencies we assume are listening in on this show, is there a role for them in protecting American and international websites? I don't think so. I, gosh, yeah. When you talk about government controls over the Internet, um, <laughs> the Internet wants to be free. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm all for security, but I, I think it's everybody's responsibility to just lock their stuff down. Secure your shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Here's the tagline. <laughs> okay, today's tagline, which has just knocked us out of the um, non-adult section of iTunes, is <laughs> what was it? Was it maintain your shit? Something like that. <laughs> Secure your shit. Don't be a dick. That's right. Secure your shit. Don't be a dick. Maintain your shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Josh, Josh Dennis, Christine Chashinger, thank you both so much for taking time to be on Webcology today. Thank you very uh, much. Friends, today's Webcology was brought to you, brought to you by the letters S-E-A, and uh, we hope they don't come to visit you. Um, Dave, what a, what a uh, wow, I don't know what to say, what a horrible, terrifying, great show that was. Yeah, yeah, it really was, and uh, it was great. We had two great, uh, two great guests, very informative. And now I've got to go and check a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll go check my stuff as soon as I find my way out from under the desk I'm hiding under. <laughs> okay, friends, uh, stick stick around. We got great stuff coming up on Webmaster Radio. Dave and I are going to be back next week with Webcology, and more importantly, friends, lock down your systems. Get best practices in, in place in your office when it comes to the distribution and handling of information. Don't give your password out to anybody under any circumstances. Have face-to-face -face conversations. Be safe. Be smart. Don't be foolish. Don't get attacked. 
check your registry locks, uh, etc. More importantly, have a great long weekend. It's Labor Day this weekend. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. And we will see you next. We will hear you next week here on Web Culture and WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around after the news. We got great content coming up on the network. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.